remain standing for the reading of God's Word as we continue our consideration of 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter's first epistle. And today, once again, we are on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, though I will begin reading back in chapter 1, verse 22, and read through chapter 2, verse 3 to fill out the context a little bit. So let us hear once again God's holy word. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 22, and reading through chapter 2, verse 3. You'll find that beginning on page 1204 in your pew Bible. Hear the word of God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Dear friends, may God add his blessing to this reading of his word, and let's pray for his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for the divine revelation that you've given us your word in Holy Scripture. We pray that by your spirit you would illuminate us and help us to understand Uh, this word and help us to understand how it applies to us today. And we pray, Lord, that we might be rooted and grounded in the word of truth, that we might indeed serve you well and fulfill our callings. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Title my sermon today is growing up into salvation. This is part two. Again, our focus is on chapter uh, two, verses one through three. On the last Lord's Day, we focused especially on verse one. And today, uh, this afternoon, we'll focus on verses two and three. And the key words, if the children would like to listen along for these particular words, there's five to be listening for. The words milk, crave, word, hunger, and goodness. Well, dear ones, the churches to whom St. Peter the Apostle wrote this epistle of 1 Peter were facing the prospect of severe persecution for their Christian faith. By the Spirit's inspiration, Peter's goal in writing this first epistle is to encourage and to fortify and to strengthen these believers so that they would be equipped to live faithful lives even in the midst of an unfaithful, indeed a hostile world. And so Peter starts off his epistle by reminding these believers, and the Spirit through Peter reminds us of the spiritual blessings that we have received in Christ our Lord. And of course, one of these great blessings is that God, in His great mercy, has caused them and has caused us to be born again to a living hope, born again to the imperishable inheritance of eternal salvation. In Peter's opening doxology recorded back in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he highlights that. And let me just read those verses uh, very briefly. 
Peter opens up and explodes with this wonderful doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now at the end of chapter 1, Peter reminds his readers that they had been born again. How? Well, through the living and abiding Word of God, as we're told in verse 23 of chapter 1. Namely, through the word or message of the good news about Jesus Christ. After all, Peter makes it very clear at the end of chapter 1 that this word that he is speaking of is indeed the good news. As Peter says, this word is the good news or the gospel that was preached to you. So after reminding them of the blessings of grace that they had received in Christ, Peter then begins to set before his readers some guidelines for living a faithful life of Christian discipleship in the midst of a hostile, indeed an anti-Christian world. Well, friends, in our passage for this Lord's Day afternoon, Peter urges them and the Spirit urges us to put away the vices that had characterized their lives before their conversion to Christ, especially those vices that would tend to tear apart the unity of the body of Christ, the church. And those vices are especially listed in, in verse 1, which kind of gives the negative exhortation. He says, so put away what? Put away what? All malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Those are vices that don't just impact you on a personal level. These are vices that destroy relationships or compromise relationships and, and uh, uh, bring suspicion into relationships and so forth. So they are un inappropriate and uncalled for, not just uncalled for, they are forbidden uh, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to put these things off uh, so that the unity of the church would not be impacted. You see, the peace and unity of Christ's church should always be a high priority uh, for believers in Christ. But it is especially important for the church to be unified when it faces persecution from the outside world. We know that Satan tries to destroy the church in, in several different ways. He tries to destroy the church from the outside through uh, persecution, uh, but he also seeks to destroy us from the inside, not only through heresy, but also through schism and disunity and so forth. So Peter wants to make sure that his readers are strong in their unity in Christ uh, so that they can support and encourage one another as they face hostility and friction from the outside world. Well, then Peter goes on to urge his readers to replace these old vices with a longing for the pure spiritual milk, by which it would seem clearly that he means the pure spiritual milk of God's word, by which they may grow up unto salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. As he writes in verse 2, Like newborn infants, 
Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. The salvation that, that he has in view here, given the context, is, is not just initial salvation or justification, but it is the final consummate salvation that we are heading towards, uh, that we will enjoy with the Lord when he takes us home to be with himself. We are growing up into this salvation as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this afternoon, we go on to consider the positive call to long for the pure spiritual milk. So that brings me to my first point as we focus our attention on chapter 2, verse 2. Beloved, let us crave spiritual nourishment so that we may grow. Brother, sister in Christ, crave spiritual nourishment so that you may grow. How are you and I to crave spiritual nourishment? Well, Peter illustrates it. He says, like newborn infants, long for or crave the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Like newborn infants. Now, in terms of this language, as we focus on this language that Peter's using here, some Bible scholars take this as an indication that Peter's original readers must have been relatively new converts to Christ. And this is indeed quite possible, especially since other passages of Scripture make a distinction between the milk of the Word on the one hand, the milk of the Word that new believers, new converts are capable of digesting, and on the other hand, the meat of the Word that only more mature and seasoned believers are capable of partaking in. And there's a number of passages that make this contrast between the milk and the meat of the Word. And let me just take you to a few of those passages briefly. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says this as he is addressing uh, the troubled congregation at Corinth. Paul writes, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh, and so forth. Or consider what the author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. <clears throat> Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. The author of Hebrews urging his readers to press on and, and move on and not be stagnant in their, their Christian faith. He says this, about this, about what he's been speaking of, we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And then notice the illustration he uses of this. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So that brings us back to our text for this afternoon. By using this illustration of 
uh, and comparing our spiritual, our longing for spiritual nourishment to a newborn infant craving its mother's milk. Is Peter necessarily thinking or addressing these readers as brand new Christians or as infants in Christ? Well, that's not necessarily the case. Just because that distinction between the milk and the meat of the word has been used elsewhere in Scripture does not necessarily mean that that's how Peter is intending this illustration to be used in the context of this particular passage. Dr. Simon Kistemacher asks the question, is Peter intimating that the readers are recent converts? Not necessarily. Possibly he uses the phrase, like newborn babies, figuratively, to give the readers of this letter a mental picture of infants craving nourishment. In other words, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, in your spiritual growth and development, whether you're a new convert or whether you've been in the Lord for many years, you should crave spiritual nourishment just like an infant craves its mother's milk. Dr. I. Howard Marshall agrees that Peter is not necessarily thinking of this distinction between milk and solid food as well. Dr. Marshall writes, Peter, however, is not thinking of this contrast, but simply how Christians all receive nourishment from teaching. The word of God that brought Christians to birth will continue to sustain them. Now, friends, whichever view is the correct one, the main point that Peter is making here is that we need to crave spiritual nourishment. And this nourishment comes from the pure spiritual milk of the word. Now, what does he mean when he says, when he describes this spiritual milk as pure? Well, the term pure means unadulterated, meaning that our nourishment from the word is without deceit. The word of God will not lead you astray. It will not deceive you. You can rely upon it. You can trust in it. And so we are to put off the vices that divide the church, the vices of the old Adam, and we are instead, like newborn infants, we are to crave or long for the pure spiritual milk so that we may grow up into salvation. Beloved, you've probably all seen a hungry baby sucking on a bottle of milk. Let me ask you this. I'm pretty sure you know the answer to this question, but what would happen if you approached that baby and yanked the baby's bottle out of her mouth while she was in the midst of trying to feed, trying to take in nourishment? Well, I'm pretty sure you know what would happen. You would get to hear just how loudly that baby can cry. You'd get a, a real a visceral uh, experience of that child's lung capacity. Isn't it amazing how such, how such small creatures can produce such loud noises, right? And that's how babies communicate. They don't know how to talk. They, when they're hungry or they need to be changed or whatever, they communicate by crying. And if they're really hungry, boy, do they cry out. I'm sure that you parents know that and have experienced that uh, firsthand on many occasions. Again, as you know, friends, babies instinctively crave nourishment. They crave milk. And without appropriate nourishment, they're not going to grow up to be healthy children, healthy young people. They need nourishment. And when they don't get their milk, when they're hungry, they'll cry out until mommy or daddy gives them some milk. Well, dear ones, what God is saying here in this passage of Holy Scripture 
is that instead of wanting to do the bad things that those who do not know Jesus as their Lord want to do, we should instead want to learn more and more about God's Word, just like a hungry baby wants to have milk. Dear listener, how about you? Do you crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word? Do you crave to know Scripture? I don't know about you folks, and not to be too autobiographical, but I remember as a young, a young person, my conversion, after I came to know Christ as my Savior, uh, and God had mercifully and effectually called me into His kingdom, one of the things that came along with that conversion was a deep desire to learn this Bible, to get into the Word, to understand it more, to understand it better. If we are in Christ, we should desire, we should crave the nourishment that comes from God's Word. And sometimes we go through spiritual dry spells where, we, where Bible reading seems uh, boring or sitting under the preaching of the Word doesn't seem all that interesting. But that's when we need to stir up our spiritual hunger. That's when we need to crave. And this is, a, this is an exhortation. He's saying, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. And that's, that's something that we are to do. We are to long for it. The Holy Spirit stirs up that longing within us, yes. But there's a mysterious interplay between uh, God's divine initiative and the effects and fruits of that in our lives. And so, friends, do you crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word? That's the only way you're going to be able to grow up into spiritual maturity in Jesus, your Savior. And this is true whether you are a child or an adult in terms of your physical development. This is true whether you are a new convert or whether you have been in the Lord for decades. Even if you've been in the Lord over 50 years, you still have growing to do. We all have growing to do because none of us is perfectly sanctified. None of us is there yet. We all must continue to press forward in Christ by the grace of God. So, friends, whether you are 6 or 60 or 76 or 96 or 106, you need God's Word to grow spiritually, to grow up into salvation. So, beloved, let us get growing spiritually by working up an appetite for God's holy Word. Let us be into the Word so that we may grow up to be more like Jesus our Savior. Dear ones, let us heed the command to long for the pure spiritual milk. Why? That by it you may grow up into salvation. This is not, you know, Peter's not presenting this as a good works kind of thing. That, well, yes, you earn your salvation by, uh, by craving spiritual milk. and be, No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about our sanctification. He's talking about our growth, progressive sanctification. So, friends, let us seek uh, to grow in the Lord by longing for the pure spiritual milk. But as we move on to the next verse, and this brings me to my final point in today's sermon, believer, consider your experience of the Lord's goodness as a motivation to grow up into salvation. Consider your experience of the Lord's goodness as a motivation to grow up into salvation. After exhorting us to put off the old vices that tear apart the unity of Christ's body and instead to replace that with longing for the pure spiritual milk of the word, 
What does Peter say? What is it that ought to motivate us to do that? Well, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And by the way, verse 3 is virtually a word-for-word quotation from Psalm 34, verse 8. Let me read that verse to you very briefly, if you'd like to turn there. Psalm 34, verse 8. This wonderful uh, psalm of, of praise. The psalmist writes there, and the psalmist is David. The psalmist writes, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, when uh, Peter, quoting from or referencing Psalm 34, verse 8, says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, I don't believe he means it like, as if to, uh, to put a question mark there, as if to say, are you sure you've tasted the goodness of the Lord? I think the point here is that you have tasted the, indeed that the Lord is good. Therefore, this is why you should long for the pure spiritual milk. And how is it, brothers and sisters, that we taste the goodness of the Lord? Well, from the context of our passage, it is clear that we taste the Lord's goodness by believing the good news, the gospel of our salvation through the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. If you, by the sovereign grace of God, have received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior from sin, then you have tasted the goodness of the Lord's full and free forgiveness of your sins. You have tasted His justifying grace, His adopting mercy, and His indwelling Spirit, and the sanctifying presence of the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, how good has the Lord been to us? I know this, has, this kind of has echoes from the morning sermon. Uh, in God's providence, these things kind of all fit together. The Lord is good. What does that mean? How is He good? He is good in the sense of kind, gracious. According to the Bible commentator Norman Hillier, the idea is an easy, gentle relationship. When we were in Adam, when we were under the law, we had a relationship with God. Every human being has a relationship with God. It's either a relationship of grace or of wrath. And before you were in Christ, you were under the heavy yoke of the law as a covenant of works. The law is good and holy and just, and when we are born again, the Spirit causes us to love God's law. So we're not anti-law, antinomian. We love God's law, but the law of God cannot save us. It only condemns us. And before we came to know Christ, before we were in Christ, our relationship with God was a relationship of heavy burdens because it was a relationship of wrath and condemnation as lawbreakers. But in Christ and through the gift of forgiveness of our sins and the gift of justification, we have had that condemnation and curse lifted from us for Christ took that curse upon himself. And in the place of that heavy yoke of condemnation and wrath is the gentle yoke of Christ. And I know I love to quote that passage from Matthew 11. Jesus says, 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. An easy, gentle relationship. Not that the, not that the effects of discipleship are easy in terms of how it plays itself out in our lives, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's a, it's a freeing relationship. It is, it is gentle. We have tasted, brothers and sisters, that the Lord is is good. Again, as Peter exhorts us in this opening section of chapter 2, and we'll move beyond this section in following weeks, but Peter says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. We Christian believers have experienced the rich personal kindness of God in Jesus Christ. As believers in Christ, when we read the word, we meet a very personal God in Christ. Dear listener, let me ask you, do you know the saving goodness of God? Have you received and rested upon Christ and Christ alone as your very own Lord and Savior? Come to Jesus as he is offered to you in the gospel that your soul may find rest in him. And then you will be able to say and testify, yes, I have tasted that the Lord is good. And having tasted the Lord's goodness, crave the pure spiritual milk of the word that by it you may grow up into salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sovereign and eternal God, we praise you and thank you for your amazing goodness to us in Christ. We ask that you would put within each of our souls a longing, a hungering to experience the spiritual nourishment that comes to us in the Word. We pray that you would feed our souls, that you would build us up and strengthen us, that we may indeed grow up into that salvation that you have blessed us with in Christ. Be with us now, Heavenly Father, as we close our time of worship. Help us to have a restful remainder of the Lord's day and grant, O Lord, that we would serve you well in our callings, in our vocations in the week ahead. Be with us now, abide with us, and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. As we close our time of worship together, let's rise and sing hymn 502, All for Jesus, 502.